Section 8 of Crazy Anatomy Part 5 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. Anatomy of the Human Body Part 5 by Henry Gray. The Mouse Part 1 2a. The Mouse. Cavum oris, oral buccal cavity. The cavity of the mouth is placed at the commencement of the digestive tube. It is a nearly oval-shaped cavity which consists of two parts, an outer smaller portion, the vestibule, and an inner larger part, the mouth cavity proper. The vestibule, vestibulum oris, is a slit-like space, bounded externally by the lips and cheeks, internally by the gums and teeth. It communicates with the surface of the body by the rima or orifice of the mouth, above and below it is limited by the reflection of the mucous membrane from the lips and cheeks to the gum covering the upper and lower alveolar arch respectively it receives the secretion from the parotid salivary glands and communicates when the jaws are closed with the mouth cavity proper by an aperture on either side behind the wisdom teeth and by narrow clefts between opposing teeth the mouth cavity proper carvum oris proprium is bounded laterally and in front by the alveolar arches with their contained teeth. Behind it communicates with the pharynx by a constricted aperture, termed the isthmus fauteum. It is roofed in by the hard and soft pellets, while the greater part of the floor is formed by the tongue, the remainder by the reflection of the mucous membrane from the sides and under surface of the tongue to the gum lining of the inner aspect of the mandible. It receives the secretion from the submaxillary and sublingual salivary glands. Structure the mucous membrane lining the mouth is continuous with the integument at the free margin of the lips and with the mucous lining of the pharynx behind it is of a rose-pink tinge during life and very thick where it overlies the hard parts bounding the cavity it is covered by stratified squamous epithelium the lips labia oris the two fleshy folds which surround the rim or orifice of the mouth are formed externally of integument and internally of mucous membrane between which are found the orbicularis oris muscle the labial vessels some nerves a roller tissue and fat and numerous small labial glands the inner surface of each lip is connected in the middle line to the corresponding gum by a fold of mucous membrane the frenulum the upper being the larger the labial glands glandula labialis are situated between the mucous membrane and the orbicularis oris around the orifice of the mouth they are circular in form and about the size of small peas their ducts open by minute orifices upon the mucous membrane in structure they resemble the salivary glands the cheeks buktze, form the sides of the face and are continuous in front with the lips they are composed externally of integument internally of mucous membrane and between the two of a muscular stratum besides a large quantity of fat a roller tissue vessels nerves and buccal glands structure the mucous membrane lining the cheek is reflected above and below upon the gums and is continuous behind with the lining membrane of the soft palate opposite the second molar tooth of the mandibula is a papilla on the summit of which is the aperture of the parotid duct the principal muscle of the cheek is the buccinator but other muscles enter into this formation the sygomaticus risorius and platysma the buccal glands are placed between the mucous membrane and buccinator muscle they are similar in structure to the labial glands but smaller about five of a larger size than the rest are placed between the mesator and the buccinator muscles around the distal extremity of the parotid ducts the ducts open in the mouth opposite the last molar tooth they are called molar glands 
the gums gingivae are composed of a dense fibrous tissue closely connected to the periosteum of the alveolar processes and surrounding the necks of the teeth they are covered by smooth and vascular mucous membrane which is remarkable for its limited sensibility around the necks of the teeth this membrane presents numerous fine papillae and is reflected into the alveoli where it is continuous with the periosteal membrane lining these cavities the palate palatum forms the roof of the mouth it consists of two portions the hard palate in front the soft palate behind the hard palate palatum durum is bounded in front and at the sides by the alveolar arches and gums behind it is continuous with the soft palate it is covered by a dense structure formed by the periosteum and mucous membrane of the mouth which are intimately adherent along the middle line is a linear ruffle which ends anteriorly in a small papilla corresponding with the incisive canal on either side and in front of the ruffle the mucous membrane is thick pale in color and corrugated behind it is thin smooth and of a deeper color it is covered with stratified squamous epithelium and furnished with numerous palatinal glands which lie between the mucous membrane and the surface of the bone the soft palate palatum molle is a movable fold suspended from the posterior border of the hard palate and forming an incomplete septum between the mouth and the pharynx it consists of a fold of mucous membrane enclosing muscular fibers aponeurosis vessels nerves adenoid tissue and mucous glands and occupying its usual position an example relaxed and pendant its interior surface is concave continuous with the roof of the mouth and marked by the median ruffle its posterior surface is convex and continuous with the mucous membrane covering the floor of the nasal cavities its upper border is attached to the posterior margin of the hard palate and its sides are blended with the pharynx its lower border is free its lower portion which hangs like a curtain between the mouth and pharynx is termed the palatum velum hanging from the middle of its lower border is a small conical pendulous process the palatine and uvula and arching lateral ward and downward from the base of the uvula on either side are two curved folds of mucous membrane containing muscular fibers called the arches or pillars of the fauces the teeth dentes man is provided with two sets of teeth which make their appearance at different periods of life those of the first set appear in childhood and are called the deciduous or milk teeth those of the second set which appear at an early period may continue until old age and are called permanent the deciduous teeth are twenty in number four incisors two canines and four molars in each jaw the permanent teeth are thirty-two in number four incisors two canines four premolars and six molars in each jaw the dental formula may be represented as follows deciduous teeth upper jaw two molars one canine two incisors two incisors one canine one molar lower jaw two molars one canine two incisors two incisors one canine two molars total twenty permanent teeth upper jaw three molars two premolars one canine two incisors two incisors one canine two premolars three molars lower jaw three molars two premolars one canine two incisors two incisors one canine two premolars three molars total thirty two general characteristics each tooth consists of three portions the crown projecting above the gum the root embedded in the alveolus and the neck the constricted portion between the crown and the root the roots of the teeth are firmly implanted in depressions within the alveoli these depressions align with periosteum which invests the tooth as far as the neck 
at the margins of the alveoli the periosteum is continuous with the fibrous structure of the gums in consequence with the curve of the dental arch terms as anterior and posterior as applied to the teeth are misleading and confusing special terms are therefore used to indicate the different surfaces of a tooth the surface directed toward the lips and the cheek is known as the labial or buccal surface that directed toward the tongue is described as the lingual surface those surfaces which touch neighboring teeth are termed surfaces of contact in the case of incisor and canine teeth the surfaces of contact are medial and lateral in premolar and molar teeth they are anterior and posterior the superior dental arch is larger than the inferior so that in the normal condition the teeth in the maxilla slightly overlap those of the mandible both in front and at the sides since the upper central incisors are wider than the lower the other teeth in the upper arch are thrown somewhat distally and the two sets do not quite correspond to each other when the mouth is closed thus the upper canine tooth rests partially on the lower canine partly on the first premolar and the cusps of the upper molar teeth lie behind the corresponding cusps of the lower molar teeth the two series however end at nearly the same point behind this is mainly because the molars in the upper arch are the smaller end of section eight recording by ellie february two thousand and ten